fellow travellers and welcome to You Should Have Been There. It's a new podcast about travel and travellers' tales. And uh, with me to tell a few of them is the man who pays his way, Simon Calder. And with me is the producer, travel writer and polyglot. He speaks many languages, Mick Webb, who tries to get me to pay his way as well. We have travelled rather a lot together for work and pleasure. And despite that, we can still just about bear to talk to one another and indeed to you. We're going to kick off this first podcast by talking about frontiers, borders and... Um, Something that I think you've crossed many times in in your uh, professional life. Uh, Well, I yes, of course, it's necessary and it's also exciting and it can be uh, very frustrating. But the great thing about almost all the frontiers I've ever seen is that they are ridiculously porous. And, for example, um, in some wilder parts of the world, their sole purpose is not to control the flow of people across um, borders from one country to another. Um, It's a job creation scheme. And given that you you and I have both been to some fairly sleepy uh, frontiers, we seem to be the entertainment. (laughs) An example which uh, springs to my mind is when we travelled from Colombia to Panama in the, I think it was the late 90s, wasn't it? At a time when the FARC guerrilla were very active um, in in that region. Uh, And also equally active were the uh, militia, who were mainly off-duty Colombian army personnel, who Um, were being paid quite a lot of money to um, to try and... uh, Kill them. Uh, well, yes, and also uh, a good selection of uh, of, of narco uh, smugglers as well, who um, who wanted to uh, uh, get across the frontier. And of course, this is maybe maybe the most porous frontier in the world, since the actual border is well the Darien Gap. Um, we weren't trying to go straight through the middle. We'd been warned by the British Embassy in Colombia not to try that. We were trying to skirt around the side and um my goodness me we did seem to succeed yes indeed well yeah i mean i should say by the way that we were um we were actually uh making a uh series of documentaries for bbc radio 4 at the time and therefore had a reasonable amount of uh, recording equipment with us which actually um i remember it, carrying it well <laughs> <laughs> after a very interesting day's hike from one of the world's more dangerous uh, airports uh, at a place Capurgana. Capurgana, yeah, absolutely. Out that way. Yeah, Capurgana. Um, I do remember that the uh, Canadian pilot of the very small plane which uh, landed us there um, turned round to the rather scared bunch of uh, travellers and said... Um, Folks, don't worry if uh, I appear to be heading straight at a mountain in a minute, because that's exactly what I'm going to do. And uh, he did, and then somehow performed some incredible kind of manoeuvre and well, landed us at this place. It seemed to be a three-point turn, and I think afterwards, I'm not mistaken, he said, don't worry, that's only the third most dangerous airport in Colombia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, yeah. But it, it took no time at all to check out of the airport... Um, and we managed reasonably easily to find a guide um, who, in return for $20, would lead us across an international frontier um, and indeed carry quite a lot of our stuff uh, in, in the deepening gloom. He was called Richard. As it became pitch black uh, and uh, the sound of the howler monkeys 
in the jungle canopy became louder. Richard suddenly um, dropped both of our packs, which he'd very kindly been carrying because um, we were so slow, um, and um, took his uh, dollars and ran back to his village, leaving us to um, do the last kilometre or so on our tod. And as we walked along the barely discernible jungle path, we then came upon this wooden table and what looked like an um, abandoned bus shelter. Um, And that was the border uh, post. Uh, And then suddenly there appeared out of the jungle a number of very young um, Panamanian soldiers who asked us um, uh, who we were and what exactly we were doing. And uh, I imagine we must have been the only people who crossed that frontier, possibly ever. (laughs) Uh, Well, yes, um, it was quite remarkable. They were, as they tend to be in that part of the world, really very well armed. Um, And they were also versed in the bureaucracy. They had a typewriter which didn't quite have enough letters. And furthermore, I seem to remember your Spanish is very good, but it still took some some time to convince them that uh, Reino Unido was actually... um, the United Kingdom, and um, they really should let us in because we were on the list of people who were regarded as um, persona grata. Yeah, well, we did have some uh, a sort of entry form of some kind on which Reino Unido was given as as our um, uh, uh, place of birth, uh, and uh, they claimed uh, the soldiers claimed that Reino Unido was not on their list of um, uh, approved countries, and therefore we shouldn't come in, uh, and. <laughs> To back up this point, they uh, they pointed at a, a, a list of randomly scrawled uh, countries on the on the wall of the bus shelter, <laughs> amongst which there wasn't a Reino Unido. I had to admit, but there was a Gran Britannia, ah. which of course is Great Britain. So uh, most of that kind of um, discussion I was involved uh, in with the soldiers was trying to convince them that the two things were the same. And of course, they wouldn't have any of that. And it was only when we managed to say, excuse me, where is your sergeant? That um, some chap came along and admitted, I think reluctantly, that we should be allowed in. But that was only the start of it, wasn't it? There was then a kind of a, an interesting um, search procedure, a sort of customs. um... Mm. And and generally, I find I don't get searched that often. I don't know about you. Um, Most of the time, they kind of, they're they're doing a bit of profiling. They have a look at you and think, well, he looks fairly harmless, um, quite possibly doesn't have any cocaine. Um, But no, they they took everything apart. Of course, they were fantastically interested in why we were uh, taking... um, a year's worth of batteries and assorted tapes and various microphones and 27 different odd microphone cables and all manner of other stuff because we were not the typical tourists. Well, yeah, and I should actually point out that the... um uh, the only reason they were able to search our stuff at all was that the first thing they managed to take out of our uh, one of our rucksacks was a torch because they, <laughs> they didn't seem to have one. So uh, they looked through all our gear and there was all of this tape recording equipment. And I had um, prepared a, a sort of rather a cock and bull story um, because we didn't actually have the right visa. Um, to be travelling as journalists or to be entering the country as journalists. And this was partly because um, journalists in that part of the world aren't 
very welcome offer. And also it was incredibly expensive to buy one of these things. So in order to save the license fee payer money, uh, we'd gone in um, undercover, as it were, with with an ordinary tourist visa. Um, and so um, when asked, excuse me, senor, what is all this <laughs> recording equipment for? I said, um, well, we are ornithologos. Ah, yes. Of course, um, ornithologists. Yeah, <laughs> ornithologists. Um, and uh, the, the reason we've got all this stuff is to record the amazing bird sounds of your um, wonderful jungle. Um, and amazingly, they seemed to think that was perfectly normal um, and didn't didn't question it really. If I remember, and, and right. there's no need to have an ornithologist um, uh, visa. Which is very good. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that, that was fine. And then we... But the, no money changed hands, if I recall. No, no money changed Which hands. Which odd. Ah, yes, yes, that's true. Yes. Have you had... Well, presumably I, you've had to pay a good few hundred dollars in your time. For yeah, this. But, but generally it's a sort of negotiation. So, oh, you've been to Africa and across many frontiers then, there. And um, there's a, a fair number of actual real get a proper receipt and a stamp for your for your fifty dollars but there's also quite a lot which is just um trying to make uh travel less uh more, more frictionless i guess is the way they would see it and generally that is a um uh, a, a negotiation i remember touching down in kampala uh, of course touching down in entebbe the airport for um uganda and um i hadn't got my yellow fever certificate and he just said well you've got a choice um you can either uh pay me ten dollars or we will give you a yellow fever jab now and this was of course <laughs> the height of um uh, hiv and everything else so um that wasn't much that was uh, uh, i thought a reasonable deal but um in moscow of all places again when you go in with with stuff even if you have got a real journalist visa of course you've got equipment and they will just sit you down and say that you have to pay us five hundred dollars and it turns out that if you just outsit them and you make it clear that you're not going to pay them $500 and then keep you there for as long as they like, then eventually they just get bored and let you go. It sounds like a kind of rather more extreme version of um, refusing to produce your boarding pass at WH uh, Smith's oh, uh, yes. Gatwick when, yeah. when they, they when buying a newspaper, demanding yes. when you're buying a newspaper. Yeah. yeah. still get such a thrill of going across borders i was lucky enough a couple of years ago to be driving in a convoy of seven count them mgs from the 1970s uh, either the best car ever built or a heap of junk i tended by the end towards the latter um and this was um, a, a party of australians who had decided they were going to drive from bangkok to abingdon where the um, mg was uh, was made um, and that required going through Central Asia, the former Soviet republics of Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, um, Uzbekistan and finally Turkmenistan. I couldn't get into Turkmenistan at all. But the others, the border crossings just took hours only because nobody had ever turned up with um, seven MGs before and everybody needed their photo taken. And they needed to pose by them and sitting them and have, have all these, these, these pictures taken. It just took forever. So uh, in the age when everybody's got a camera 
and there's lots of social media um, that's, that, that can hold you up too, oddly. We won't ever ask for implausible sums of cash, but just for, just, just for um, uh, enjoyment. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, I once uh, uh, had a, a, a parallel experience when I was trying to um, get from Zambia into Malawi. And I was with a group of um, people who I'd met in Zimbabwe where I was doing uh, a, a job. Uh, and um, we'd become quite friendly. And uh, they'd said, well, we're going on holiday to Malawi um, via Zambia as you uh, would do, of course, and they um, uh, they invited me along. Uh, so I went with them in this, at the time, very posh four-wheel drive uh, vehicle with an eight-track stereo. Oh, that dates you. That does date me, really. It was 1991, I think. Um, uh, it, it was at a time when Zimbabwe, uh, when, when um, uh, Robert Mugabe uh, was uh, not only still alive, but he was actually thought of as being possibly a great leader who mm. who would um, do great things for uh, Zimbabwe as it emerged from, as it moved from sort of colonial to uh, democratic. Uh, yeah, and I was just there five, five uh, years or so after you, and it indeed was. It was a place of joy and, uh, and, and, and welcome and economic... Um, uh, growth, it was wonderful. Uh, unfortunately, Malawi, um, where we were going, um, which is an utterly beautiful um, country, was run by um, Dr. Hastings Banda, who I fear provided a model for uh, what Robert Mugabe later became, wow. which was a thoroughgoing um, dictator. And um, Dr. Hastings Banda, who had actually been a GP in uh, North <laughs> London... <laughs> Surprisingly, as uh, 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 sort of a part of his career path, um, um, had a loathing for um, uh, journalists. And so the border guards were sort of primed to try and spot anybody who might possibly be one who was trying to get in. And because I, in my passport, I'd written producer, which in fact I was, uh, um, and which seemed a sort of innocuous enough term, really, to sort of cover just about ah. anything. But uh, when absolutely pressed, I had to admit that what I produced was um, radio programmes uh, for the BBC. Oh, and, no. and so as a result, they said, well, you can't come in. Well, of um, course. And the others, the Zimbabwean, my friends, uh, uh, interceded on my behalf. And eventually the um, border guards agreed that... Um, I could come in, but only if I then, uh, in the um, next couple of days, went to uh, Lilongwe, the capital of of, mm. uh, of Malawi, to um, to get the correct papers um, from the Ministry of Information, I think it was. So uh, we drove to the wonderful Lake Malawi to a place called Monkey Island, and then I had regretfully to leave my friends snorkeling and drinking and having a thoroughly good time. While I drove to Lilongwe in the four-wheel drive with the eight-track stereo um, and at the Ministry of Information uh, I was welcomed by a very nice um, uh, young man in a white starched shirt who said actually um, we need to go to the Ministry of the Interior for you to, uh, to to get the correct papers so we drove to the Ministry of the, uh, the Interior during which time he became very interested in the stereo and asked <laughs> me to um, put on one of our cassettes and I can't remember what it was I put on as the van actually belonged to um, a uh, 
a Swedish dentist, as it happened. I of think course. we might have had ABBA, but we yeah. certainly had the Beatles and maybe even Elvis. Anyway, whatever it was I put on, he enjoyed hugely. Um, and then when we got to the Ministry of the Interior, um, I was introduced to another very uh, polite and nice young man in another white <laughs> starch shirt who um, said uh, that was very good. Uh, but um, we needed to go back to the Ministry of Information in order to stamp the uh, piece of paper that he'd given me. And so the two of them came back with me and um, uh, we went a very long way round because, of course, I was uh, I was a dependent on them for directions and it seemed to take a great deal of time during which time we got through quite a few cassettes and it was only cartridges when... cartridges oh, sorry you, I you beg put, your put a cassette in and yes. track your, your yeah, no. oh yes how silly and yes. that was only when I got back to the Ministry of the Interior that I realised that actually the whole reason for all of this stuff was nothing to do with um, accrediting me as a sort of bona fide <laughs> uh, 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 tourist, but for them to listen to the music on the 8-track. And uh, then um, I eventually handed over $50 and um, made my way uh, back to Lake Malawi and all was absolutely fine and dandy. Uh, OK, so... Why on earth, and this was in the olden days when you had to put your your occupation in your passport, who would ever say, producer, manager is fine. Um, indeed, a, um, a colleague of mine who's recently been to the US, um, who works obviously for, for the independent newspaper, um, and actually is head of travel, um, and uh, she turned up and she was actually really just there for a holiday but um she got the guy who said what's your what's your occupation then uh i'm a manager what do you manage um words so anyway she got <laughs> it which is good and um engineer you see particularly if you've got lots of kit engineer is very good and teacher uh, everyone likes a teacher don't they yeah, well, it, yes, if, if, if only I'd known. But uh, anyway, the, in those um, days, uh, I mean, I, to be honest, explaining in English to my friends and family what a producer does yes. is hard enough. So you, uh, yeah. I can imagine it it might uh, raise a few suspicions at an yes. out-of-the-way border post in a country with a questionable um, regime in charge. And of course, um, uh, what a producer does can be an entire podcast on its own. I'd, I'd listen. So, where? So, so, what's your your least favourite and your most favourite frontier? Well, my most favourite, my favourite frontier, uh, is one that doesn't really exist anymore. You and I um, have walked quite a lot of the. Um, Great Pyrenean um, Traverse, the GR10, a long-distance footpath from uh, the uh, uh, Atlantic to the Mediterranean, and uh, along the line, along of the, the line uh, of, the, of the along the line of the Pyrenees, yeah, and and uh, the most enjoyable part of it for me is when you cross from one country into the other because there are still marker posts and stones and things, um, and you feel that. Um, I still feel rather naughty, um, you know, that I can actually step from one country into the other without anybody looking at a passport or shouting at me or shooting at me. Um, uh, and so I'm very fond of uh, that particular frontier. Um, and my least favourite, I suppose, is... Um, well, while, I, while you're thinking about that, my least favourite absolutely is any 
frontier going into the uh, USA. Yes, uh, yeah. Russia is, is quite tricky, but uh, uh, with Russia, it tends to be, if you've got all your paperwork in order, it won't be as swift, it won't be pleasant, but you'll get in. Whereas the US, you genuinely don't know uh, whether yeah. or not um, he or she is going to uh, decide yes. that you're not going to get, get in. It's that I think I second that because I have um, had the misfortune to um, take quite a few flights from Central America back into the United States at Miami, via Miami mm. International Airport, and that is a, a, a grievous experience um, because obviously, if your plane has even at any point sort of touched Colombian airspace in in its in the whole of its flying life you will be <laughs> put in a special queue and searched and um, dogs will come and sniff at your feet and that is actually a point at which I do feel nervous because although I've uh, uh, I've never been um, silly enough to try and bring any um, controlled substances back from South America into uh, or Central America into the United States you just kind of wonder you know did I did I maybe trade in a marijuana plantation accidentally what well, unit you know, uh, and uh, and and the, and the other thing I dislike about the United States system is the complete lack of um any human connection or sense of humour, and that it, I, I have learned that the silliest thing to try and do is to break the ice by trying to crack a rather feeble joke with the uh, with the official. <laughs> if I must say, I, I love uh, uh, any frontier that involves the former Soviet Union um, because they're very funny and you never quite know what you're going to get. So going from Eastern Hungary into Ukraine, um, it is mandatory if you do not have a vehicle um, to hitchhike. And they they will say, right, you've got to stand there, um, <laughs> stick your thumb out. There will be something along in a minute and it will almost certainly stop. It will give you a lift across the border. And of course, hitchhikers law, L-O-R-E, is long been that people hate taking hitchhikers across borders because they've got no idea uh, what yeah. they've got in their yeah. bag. Um, but uh, it's an established part of the scenery. You pay them uh, by the time you get to um, Uzhgorod, the, uh, the, the, the city in... Ukraine, uh, you probably give them about 20 euros for their trouble. It works a treat. Yeah. And um, also, uh, same thing applies going from Kaliningrad, the western enclave between um, uh, Poland and Lithuania, into uh, Poland. You are told, yep, stay here 100 metres back from the frontier, hitchhike, you will get a lift, you will be taken across, and you'll be um, in, in Poland before you know it um and then one final one which is simply lake bled uh, forgive me lake ochrid um in the southern part of north macedonia going into albania you do a wonderful cross-border international circuit and the borders are both very very scenic which i think is uh, an important thing yes I think um, that's and nice also idea. very fluid so uh just fly into ochrid and a which you can do from Luton many times a week, and then uh, make a circuit of the of the lake and enjoy uh, a, an international 
journey which will be one of the easiest you will ever do scenic and fluid i can't think of a better way to uh, to, to describe the ideal frontier but um borders uh, tend not to be tourist attractions except sometimes they are and the most celebrated one i think must be the dmz the demilitarized zone between north and south korea of course where the best out-of-town experience you can have from Seoul, the capital, is to get on a bus about for an hour or so, and you get to the DMZ, and they like nothing more than taking you out, um, escorting you round, letting you into the hut where um, uh, Trump meets uh, the the, uh, North Korean leader, and you're allowed to walk around the table where they have the negotiations, which um, means that you actually cross temporarily into North Korean territory, all the time being scrutinised by uh, North Korean border guards who, um, frankly, if I were them, from what I know about North Korea, I would wait till uh, my, my friend um, uh, nods off and I'd nip across and join the uh, join the <laughs> South. But um, that's fantastic. And, of course, one which you haven't been able to go to for, ooh, 30 years now, Checkpoint Charlie. What a great experience that was. And I really, of course, it was a cruel horrible crossing uh, checkpoint charlie it was called because if you were in the allies after the war the first crossing um, was from uh, west germany the french british american part into east germany the soviet part go through at checkpoint charlie somewhere near braunschweig you then get to the outskirts of west berlin and the border there, and that was Checkpoint Bravo. And then finally, if you wanted to carry on through there and go into the heart of East Berlin, you go through Checkpoint Charlie. Um, and that's how it got the name. And just such an atmospheric place. And the, the you could feel the tension. Um, and yes, it was... I, I just went across there once on foot. And uh, you are just scrutinised to within an inch of your life. They will be checking all your money to make sure you haven't been doing any black market negotiating. And uh, the cars were even worse because, of course, the standard way to get across was to compress yourself into the size of a, a, a small domestic animal and hide in the boot. So um, uh, just so good. I, you don't, you, I don't think you ever made it there, did you? Uh, no, I didn't. But I, I, have, I, I have been there since it's become a, uh, a a tourist, I suppose, attraction. Is that the right mm. word? But um, even I think even now it still sort of exudes a certain amount of menace. It's been quite well kind of um, yes. uh, managed preserved, and yes. branded and preserved so yeah. that uh, you do get a kind of uh, quite a frisson. So I, I, the, the more travelling I do, the more I like borders, but I am really really worried about Brexit and borders because it's um, you know, frontiers are uh, should not exist between modern, friendly liberal, tolerant nations and um, I think they will which perhaps means that we're not as modern, friendly liberal or tolerant as we used to be oh dear, that's a, that's a miserable way to, um, uh, to, to conclude things, um, cheer us up Mick I'll cheer us all up by saying that's the end of this week's podcast uh, next week we're going to be talking about a a similarly interesting topic, which I think for us has been quite uplifting, um, which is getting lost. Uh, And we have made it into an art form. Yes, uh, that will be, uh, I hope, uh, good fun. You'll be the judge of that. Meanwhile, because we've been talking about crossing borders, please go and get your passport out. 
please check the expiry date now. You could be surprised, but it's better to be surprised now than when you turn up at the uh, airport and you find it hasn't got enough time to run or it's completely run out. That's your public service announcement. Thank you very much, Simon. Well, uh, that's uh, cheerio then from me and from Simon and from the first podcast of You Should Have Been There. You should. <laughs>